This is Pound in Victory. Well, good afternoon to the whole world. <laughs> it might not be your afternoon, but it is ours mm-hmm. here in Wisconsin. I thought it was a good podcast last week. It was. Yeah. yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. It was uh, I hope a lot of people get to listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Gain some biblical knowledge. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I think it makes a lot of difference how people approach the Bible. You know, if they uh, if they're looking for something good, they can find it. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're looking for something just to justify certain things, they can probably find that too. Yeah. But then the justifier of all things is God. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. And he's a very just God. That's a good thing about it. Mm-hmm. He's the best judge you'll ever sit before. I found myself in a courtroom one time, and uh, I got a ticket for losing the load off a truck. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel it was my fault because I didn't own the truck and I didn't own the tie-down materials. So as I was driving down the road, I took off from a red light and I lost some 24-foot steel. Mm-hmm. Steel like you'd put on the roof of a building. Yeah. And it, I didn't note it right away. And then when I looked in the mirror, I seen this big white patch in the middle of the road. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was a lot longer than the truck. So when it bounced, it would work its way back. And I lost it right in the middle of the street. Mm. And it was two lanes, possibly three at that time. It was Hastings Way in Eau Claire. So as soon as I seen it, and back then you didn't have cell phones, so the first street I could turn on, I turned off. And I pulled up in front of a house, and I ran in and ran up there and knocked on the door and asked if I could use a phone. The lady slammed the door in my face. And... and, uh, I went down to the end of the street, and it was a cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. And I turned around, and there was a bunch of guys working on a house, putting siding on it. And they were all waving, you know. I thought they were just waving at me, so I waved back. But the other part of the steel I had in the truck turned sideways on the truck when I come around in the cul-de-sac. Mm. And it was hanging half on and half off, kind of teetering on the side of the truck. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. Well, afterwards, they told me they were trying to stop me. <laughs> I just waved back and kept going. And then there was a, a Chevelle parked on the road, which hadn't put away, been put away for the winter yet. <clears throat> it was a collector's car. Yeah. And it teetered down like it was going to fall off right at the time I got to that car. Mm. And that pile of steel was about five to six inches thick. It was heavy, heavy. So when I got to the car, it hit the trunk pushed the trunk into the back window. Then it snapped around off the truck and it hit the side of the car and caved it all in. Oh, man. Then I pulled over and I went up and knocked on another door and I asked the guy if I could use the phone. I said, I got to call my company. I just hit a car out here. My car? You hit my car? (laughs) I didn't know it was his. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. And he was like in tears. I bet. 
and it was a collector's car. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like a, a 67 Chevelle. Mm-hmm. And uh, he let me use the phone, though. And I called, and I told the company what happened. And they sent, you know, another truck and several people <laughs> mm-hmm. to try to pick it up off the street. And and I told him the other pile was up against the car on the side road. Mm. But then I went to court because they gave me a fine for losing the load. And I thought, I don't, I'm not going to pay it, you know. Right. I didn't. They did. It was their tie-downs and their truck and their materials. Things weren't looking good. Everybody that pled their own cases, I seen them go to get the hammer down and mm-hmm. found guilty and fined or whatever. Yeah. So I was like maybe 16, 17 people back in the list. And I'm watching every one of these people get it. Mm. And I was just sitting there praying, God, I need your mercy. <laughs> this is not going well for people. I need mercy today. A judge didn't sound merciful. Mm-hmm. The DA didn't sound merciful. So I just kept praying and saying, God, I need your mercy. I need your mercy. Mm-hmm. And then it got down to me being called. And I don't know if it became lunchtime or what. But the DA kept looking over his shoulder at me. Then he came back with papers in his hand, and he said, asked me if my name was, and I said yes. And he said, you surely couldn't have done that on purpose. I said, of course not. And he said, well, we're going to throw it out. So I got up and walked out. And I thought, what a wonderful God. While all these people were pleading their cases and getting the hammer thrown down on them, I, I just thought, you know, my only hope is in a judge that I really serve. Yeah. And it happened to work out for me. Wow. Yeah, so when, you know, <clears throat> when we talk about God, you know, he's really a good God. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says that the, the afflictions of the righteous are many. You know, we're not excused from the world. We're in it. And a lot of things can happen. A lot of things can come at us. Mm-hmm. But when the Bible says the afflictions of the righteous are many, it also goes on to say, but he I will deliver them yep. out of them all. I mean, it really is good news. And a lot of times, you know, when things happen to people, you know, many of the times it's their fault. Mm-hmm. And yet God intervenes in one way or another. And I say that because we had a lady call one time. She got in an accident, and she was coming out of town. And she had a cup of coffee sitting in the middle of the rise in the car there the console yeah mm-hmm. and it tipped over and it started shooting coffee across the car and she leaned down to grab it and when she did that she pulled the steering wheel with her at the same time so she stopped the coffee from spilling and looked up and she was heading into the ditch mm-hmm. well she let go of the coffee then and just tried to pull the car back up on the road and she never slowed down and she jerked it hard and come flying up out of the ditch, across the road, and into the ditch on the other side. She flipped it, didn't she? Yeah. When she came out of the ditch the second time, she rolled three times going down the road. That's wild. And uh, the hospital called and said she was in the hospital in Bloomer. And we, I called another person that goes to our church, did at that time anyway. Mm-hmm. And him and I drove up there. And by the time we got there, they were getting ready to discharge her. She had a, a knot on the back of her head that uh, somewhere in the car she bumped her head. Mm-hmm. And it was like the size Probably of... on the back of her seat. Yeah, it could have been. 
and it was about the size of a small egg. Mm. And uh, they said they couldn't really find nothing wrong. The swelling would probably go down. She'd be fine. Mm-hmm. And I talked about that at times to people, and I said, we pray the protection of God over everybody when they walk out of church on Sunday. And I believe that works. Mm-hmm. Now, he can't stop us from acting goofy or acting stupid. Right. <clears throat> we still have that ability about us. An and, innate ability to be really dumb. And she yeah. did by going off the, after that coffee, totaled out her car. Mm-hmm. But she didn't die. Right. And she rolled a lot of times and totally wiped out her car. She must have been wearing her seatbelt. Apparently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, God is good God. Yeah. And we live in a very confused world. Yeah. So a lot of things can go wrong and come at us and... And we still have to put our faith and trust in him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why, you know, we read the Bible, get as many uh, scriptures into our spirit being as we can. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, scripture says God can bring all things back to remembrance. And he's talking about his word. When we read it, we study it, we get it into our head, we get it into our spirit. And in a time of trouble or need, he brings it back mm-hmm. and meets our every need. He said, I'll meet all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. His riches are his word. His dwelling place is in us. You know, that's where his glory resides. Mm-hmm. And as long as the word is in there and he's in there, he's got something to work with. So when people don't do it, they have barren ground. There's mm-hmm. nothing in there to manifest. So we appreciate it when people take their Bible out and read them and uh, get close to God. We're going to look at some scriptures today in Romans chapter 1. The last couple of times we were in the book of Acts, and it's very important that people know what's in the book of Acts. You know, it's when God started a church, he knew exactly what he wanted, mm-hmm. how he was going to get it, and what type of people he was after. Mm-hmm. And he said he was coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And uh, that's where we're hoping to see people get. Mm -hmm. So when God comes back, he'll find those people. Abraham said, we serve a God that calls things that are not as though they were. Were what? Were before Adam and Eve failed Mm -hmm. God. And they were spiritual beings. They were in the presence of God, with God. Everything was perfect. Mm -hmm. And then they sinned against him. Abraham says we're serving a God that calls things that are not, and they're not in that condition yet, mm-hmm. as they were before Adam and Eve fell. Everything was perfect at that time, and God wants that type of a thing back. Mm-hmm. So he works with us through his word and tries to get a church that meets that standard. The standard is Christ himself. Mm-hmm. He walked out what he wanted people to see and do, and... All we have to do is follow that pattern. Mm-hmm. So you have Romans 1? Yeah. Well, let's just read a little bit. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the, gosp- unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead 
by whom we've, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be the, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just his greetings and salutations to yeah. the church that of people that is in Rome at that time. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I may I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if by any means now at, at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the, to the end that you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I propose to come to you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, we're going to take a break right there. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, when I was uh, a long time ago, years ago, when I was studying, I come across that verse and I went on reading and then I found myself back there again. And several times that happened. Yeah. And I said to the Lord, what are you trying to show me here? And he had me read it again. Mm -hmm. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Okay. Yeah. When, when I read that over and over and over, and I kept trying to figure out what he's showing me, and then he stopped me. And he said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And it hit me. I got it. The light came on. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, not being ashamed. No one can add to or take away from the power of God. Yeah. He's God. Mm -hmm. He wrote everything he wanted in that Bible. Last time we were together at a time before, we were talking about that, mm -hmm. about if every detail in life would have been put in there, that book would have been so large we'd have never got through it. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. But everything with God is done by faith. Yeah, And when you read the Bible, you have to read it by faith. Mm -hmm. So God gave us the parts of it that we needed to succeed in life. But we have to receive it just exactly how he said. Mm -hmm. Have faith in God. All right? So when I was reading that, and it said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, not being ashamed of it in this world. Mm-hmm. So God already put all the power he needs in it. It's mm -hmm. his life. Right. 
So when we're not ashamed of it, we actually open the door for the activation of the miracles to take place. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. So they kind of hide it. They, you know, wait for, you know, if somebody's okay to move in it, you know. And the whole time, God is the one that wants to do it. Mm -hmm. So when you find yourself unashamed, that opens that door wide open mm -hmm. for God to move in people's hearts. And he said to the Jew first and also unto the Greek. Mm -hmm. That's all available to everyone. Now, as we go on in the chapter, you know, in the next verse, what, what did 17 say again? For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Right. So when we activate our faith in God, in his word, and then he said you'll move from faith to faith. It's not just a stopping point. It's a beginning point mm -hmm. of not being ashamed. And then as we move in this, all of a sudden the door is open continuously. And we move into positions and things. You know, when I first got a hold of this, it was really miraculous to me. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, I, uh, I found it so exciting, that the reality of God, mm -hmm. that he's trying to be in people and with them and work through them. Yeah. You know, and, and when this first happened, uh, did we ever cover the story about Joe when he was really sick when he was a baby? No. <clears throat> um, you know, the Spirit of God just come in me like a whirlwind, and, and I was so excited about it. And the more I learned, the more excited I got. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and Joe, he was born in December. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost the next January. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was only a month later after he was born that I, w I was filled with the Holy Spirit. So when um, I found out about the healing power of God, you know, it, it was really something to shout about and dance about, mm -hmm. you know, how much he loved us and how much he cared that he died on the cross. And um, can we get, go look at a scripture before we continue in Romans? Yeah. And go look at... Uh, Isaiah 53, verse 5. And they said, this is talking about something Jesus did for us. And it's in the Old Testament, and it was prophesied by Isaiah. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Right. So Isaiah was prophesying when Jesus went to the cross and died for us, and he took that beating on his back. Mm -hmm. But I always talk about the crown on his head. They made a crown of thorns mm -hmm. because they were mocking him and laughing at him that he was a king. So they crowned him with that crown of thorns, which really caused him to start bleeding from the top of his head. Mm -hmm. And I like to share with people, I think he did that because he was also burying everybody's problems that seemed to be depressed and oppressed, you know, and mm -hmm. there's mentally and intellectually getting attacked by the devil. He bled for that, too. Mm -hmm. And then he took the 40 stripes on his back, and he was broken open, and the bones protruding, and the blood pouring down his back, and he mm -hmm. did that for our healing. Yeah. Right? So <clears throat> when, I, when I found that out, I thought, this is tremendous. This is, you know, where people have to really stop and pay attention. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it hit me really strong. So we were at church one night, and we had a really shouting, dancing service. I mean, everybody was really high pitched, you know, mm -hmm. and really having a good time. Well, toward the end of the service, we had an altar call. And one of the last things I did was I asked everybody to come up and lay hands on our son. You know, now he was a baby. He was just 
he was born in December, and he was still on a bottle, and he was really small. Mm -hmm. And he started running a high temp. And at one point, Lynette told me that his temp hit 104. Mm -hmm. Now, previously, you know, before we were even serving the Lord, <clears throat> one of our other sons had a, a really bad episode and a high temp, and he went into convulsions from it. So she had witnessed that, and I wasn't home, but she witnessed it. And, you know, and I found out when I got home, you know, what happened. Yeah. So now we got a second son to doing the same thing. And, uh, I, you know, and because everything was so pumped up and exciting, you know, when I called people up, you know, some of them couldn't get a hand on him. They couldn't lay hands on him. So, you know, they just lay hands on the next person yeah. that already had a hand on him. And everybody was praying for his healing. But because of the way it went down, um, and I'm not, I'm not against people getting excited. I'm not against the, you know, the hyped-up service. I'm not against that. The focus was in the wrong place, though. Exactly. Yeah. So when we got home, I've changed my story for, for quite a few years now because I used to tell people about this. And I'd say when we walked in the door at 1 o'clock in the morning from church, um, my wife went down the hallway to put down the other kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she corrected me after a while. She said, quit using that term. Yeah. Went and put them down. <laughs> you didn't put them down. You put them to bed. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she went to put the kids to bed the other two, and I went over and sat down on the couch. And I'm telling you, I was pumped up, too, from the service. Everything was really on a high. As I sat down, I felt the glory of God come all over me. Now, I've got him, I'm, I'm laying back on the couch, and I've got Joe laying on my chest. And he was just burning up, really hot. And I had my hands on his back. Mm -hmm. And when God came all over me, he spoke to me, and he said, now that the shout and the dance is over with, pray for him and I'm going to heal him. He had shown me that everybody did what the Bible says. You know, if they're sick among you, call them for the elders of the church, lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and pray for them, and I'll heal them. But he told me that night, he said, nobody had a hand out to me. Right. And, you know, we got two hands. Mm -hmm. One to reach out to God for help, and the other one to lay out and pass it on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that people really didn't do that night. They didn't yeah. get a hold of the healer. So as I sat there and repented mm -hmm. for that, I could feel the heat, the burning heat of the Holy Spirit coming down my arms, mm -hmm. slowly working down them until they were in my hands and the fire was in them. Mm -hmm. And I had my hands on Joe's back, and I could totally feel the power of God going into him. Mm -hmm. And it was just tremendous. Yeah. Well, I went to work the next morning, mm -hmm. and while I was at work, Lynette called, and where I was working, they had an intercom system out in the outer buildings, and it was real crackly. Yeah. And she called and told them that I had to call home, and they told me that over that intercom. Mm -hmm. And I went up there, and she was crying and said that his temperature was up and he's starting to jerk. And at that time, her father was there. So as we were talking on the phone, she said, you got to give me permission to take him to the hospital. And I hesitated for a long time, and I said, I can't. I, I said, after we got home last night, I know that God healed him. And mm -hmm. she said, yeah, but he's starting to jerk. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't. 
I can't give you permission. I said, if you take him, you take him, but I, I can't say that. I said, because I know for a fact he got healed last night after we got home. And he was only listening to one side of the conversation, her father. But from what he was listening to, he said, he's right, he's right. If he's healed, he's healed. And he said, we should maybe leave it alone. Well, then, you know, we said goodbye, and I went back to work. And I had to go all the way back to the other end of the complex where I was working. And I no more than got back there, and it seemed like the phone started, you know. Yeah. And they called me again on the intercom. You have to come back in, call your wife immediately. And it was really a spiritual war going on. Mm -hmm. With every step I took, this voice would say, you just killed your son. Mm. And then up in my belly, you know, in my spirit, I'd have this soft voice say, he's healed. Mm -hmm. And with every step, it seemed like that happened. You killed him. He's healed. You killed him. He's healed. And I went up there, and I finally got to the phone. I call her. She answers the phone, and she's crying hard. Mm. And she had to collect herself. Mm-hmm. And then she said, his temperature is normal, and he's eating. He's just fine. When that thing broke, it broke quick. He was totally healed. Wow. The temperature never came back up, mm-hmm. and he was eating normal. Now, that's the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. There's been times when I've told that story and people say, you ought to be locked up. Right. That's what they say. You ought to be locked up. They don't understand. No, they don't. Mm -mm. And they can't understand until they get in a position where they actually know God. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you're just speculating, you're just thinking in the mind of a human being. Right. It's it's not possible. Mm -hmm. But when you're in Christ and Christ is in you, it's a whole different game. Then, then things are possible. All things are possible to them that believe, if the Bible says that. Mm-hmm. And believe what? Believe God. Believe his word. Yeah. All things are possible. So when we're reading in, in uh, Romans chapter 1, um, that verse 16 really means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Because there are people that live their whole lives for, supposedly for God and never see a miracle. Yeah. Never experience one. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a problem there. You know, it's, it's not that they don't need them, you know, because everybody needs them at one point or another. And, uh, you know, you want to be able to see them. Yeah. And yet, you know, when people struggle like that, and if you have any doubt, mm-hmm. any doubt about God, you have to get that corrected because he doesn't fail. He's never failed man, ever. But people have failed him. Mm-hmm. So when the Bible says in Romans one I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, Jew first and also unto the Greek. That means everybody's eligible. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then when verse 17 says, the just, the ones that are justified before God. Shall live by faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are two very important verses. All right. So we're going to pick it up from there. And go on in that chapter. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath shewed it 
unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through their lusts of their own hearts. Now, we got to stop for a minute. There was a part in there that you read um, about four or five verses back. Okay. Um, go back there and start over. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, that, that's a very important thing there, see, because that, that, we're talking about the whole world here. Yeah. They hold the truth in unrighteousness, okay? So they make it what they want it to be instead of what God made it to be. Mm. And they take it and they make their own doctrines and their own beliefs, and they hold that truth from other people. Yeah. So when man starts teaching, man, when, there's a scripture that says the blind leading the blind causes mm -hmm. them all to land in a ditch. Yeah. You know, and when people read the Bible, they got to read it for for God's sake, not not theirs, you right. know, and let God minister to them through the word. Mm -hmm. So when people hold the word in unrighteousness, the wrath of God gets kindled. Yeah. All right. Now, this is very important. People have to understand. But he also said that there are people that are nobody's ever going to stand before him with an excuse uh -huh. for not walking in righteousness. Right. Because he's made him, himself known to everyone. Now, God purposely put a conscience in every human being. Mm -hmm. And that conscience will tell people the difference between right and wrong. Now, just to make it easy for people, because up until Moses got the Ten Commandments, there was nothing calculated out as sin. Mm. There wasn't, you know, because there was no laws written. Right. He just expected man to be what he wanted him to be. Innately good. And Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, we could look it up, but I don't know where it is right offhand, but in the Old Testament, God repented. It uses that word. Yeah. He repented for how he made humanity mm -hmm. because he thought they'd be as strong as him. He thought they'd be just exactly what he was. Mm -hmm. And then he found out they couldn't do it. Right. So they failed him at every turn. Yeah. But at the same time, he says in Romans 1 that every person was born with a conscience. And because of that, nobody's going to have an excuse in the end mm -hmm. for not doing what's right and receiving them in the fullness. Yeah. So when we look around and we live in a wicked and unjust world, that that's no excuse for humanity to be that way. Now, that goes all the way back to the very beginning because uh, later on we can, we can see it in Scripture where in Peter, he said that uh, when the coming of the Lord happens, it's going to be because the world is in the same condition it was in the days of Noah. Mm -hmm. And when you study that and you go back and look in the days of Noah when God had to bring judgment on the earth, it, the thought and, it, and uh, intentions of man were wicked and evil at every thought. Mm -hmm. And violence covered the face of the earth. Well, we see that today. Everywhere you look in the world, in the news, violence is in every country. Mm -hmm. And that's the same prophecy that was spoken in Peter about right before the coming of the Lord and judgment. 
and the thoughts and imaginations are man are wicked all the time, mm -hmm. evil. And therefore, God has to come back, well, either that or repent to, of what he did to Noah's day mm -hmm. and Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. So it's going to come, but it's good that people will recognize the idea that there's nobody going to have an excuse to not walk in what God wanted them to walk in. Mm -hmm. And then when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, he did it for this purpose that people would not be able to say, well, they didn't know the difference. Yeah. But when he put the Ten Commandments down there, there were like, there are Ten Commandments, but there are also ten, ten ways of living. Yeah, rules to live by. Yeah, and, and it, it, you know, you don't have to have them written down as a written law to, you know, beat you over the head with. You know, it's just good living. Everything, every one of those commandments puts you in a position of living very well. Right. So, and five of them are uh, references to how to live with other human beings and five how to live before God. Mm -hmm. And that's all there is to it. Right. So when he brought that down, then that put a plumb line, mm -hmm. you know, to go by, to know the difference between good and evil. So now you got, you got the fact that you got a conscience. Now you got, you know, the plumb line set, you know, and yeah. all these things work to our better if we pay attention to mm -hmm. them. But that, that verse is very important. I, I would like people to pay attention to that, you know, verses 16 and 17, because you really need to understand them and walk by them. Mm -hmm. So then go ahead a little bit more. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's what you were just talking about. Yes. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did not change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also to the men, leaving the, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned their lust toward one another, men with men, working with which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, and inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that which they commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that they do them. Wow. Wow. 
you know, and, and no and, words are minced there. No, not at all. And you know, when people take God and try to involve Him in this, that's when they bring the wrath of God down. Yeah, you know, He's a pure, clean, holy God, mm-hmm. and then they try to justify their wickedness and their evil. Now he said in there that people would get turned over to their own reprobate mind and just for the sake of people that don't know what that is, you look it up in the dictionary, reprobate means a godless mind. There there is no God in them. They don't want God, they've rejected God, and therefore he turns them over to their own demise. So if a lot of people say, Well, is God sending people to hell? No, he's not. Hell was created for the devil who you know turned against him yeah lucifer was in heaven and a worship leader he tried to exalt himself above god and he got cast out and a third of the angels that went were up there that followed him they got cast out too Mm -hmm. when they got cast out then god created a place for him the bible calls it a lake of fire yeah that there's coming a day when they're all going to find themselves in it so in the meantime they crashed down to this earth and Satan, when he defeated Adam and Eve in the garden, deceived them mm-hmm. and took the legal rights away, then Satan became the god of this world. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got a, a little bit of a kick out of it because um, one, of, one of the people that started coming to the church, you know, he, he hadn't been going there that long, but he did learn in a short order that there is a god of this world. And he ended up going to Madison, Wisconsin, to a wedding, and he was seated at a table with eight people, mm-hmm. and uh, counting himself. And they all got into a discussion about how bad the world was, and all this wicked things and evil going on in the world. And then they all started talking about, if God's good God, why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. Why is he doing this? And finally, he took his phone out, and he said, wait, 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 wait. He said, I got to share something with you guys. <laughs> And it was all relatives of his, and he got the phone out, and he started pulling up scripture, showing them that Satan is the god of this world. Mm-hmm. And he said, he's the one that got the legal rights to the world, and he's the one that's running it. And if people don't get born again and out of his grips, that's how they're ending up in these positions. I just heard somebody say, they said, they were talking to somebody who is an atheist, and the atheist was like, if there was a God, why would he allow this? And the guy said, okay, well, let's suppose there isn't one. Who created all this now? All these problems. <laughs> and the atheist said, well, then we did. And he said, well, then don't you think that that same thing is possible and that there's a God that exists that's really displeased with what's happening? Why is it that if, if God exists, he created all the problems? And he didn't. Right. He didn't. He'll deliver you out of your problems, but he didn't create your problems. Right. And that's, I feel like, a very compelling argument. Like, faith is illogical. People want to make, you know, they want to find the logic, but you have to, it defies logic. It does. And I just found it really compelling when he said, well, then don't you think it's, if, so, okay, we'll go with your hypothesis that God doesn't exist. Now what? Who created all these problems? Mm-hmm. All these problems. Who Who's the instigator of all your personal problems then? Right. If we're going with the hypothesis that God doesn't exist. I yeah. find that to be 
Well, it's, it's, it's very simple terms. Yeah. So, you know, for a very simple mind, that's where you have to go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when people do read the Bible and they learn the proper things and they yeah. see where the fall came in, mm-hmm. where the people did what God told them not to do and they created that situation, mm-hmm. so it is man's fault. Mm-hmm. And, they, and it just continues on down the line. And that's why we read earlier in John chapter 3, we read about Jesus' uh, situation with Nicodemus coming to him. Mm-hmm. At that point, God said, you know, Jesus did himself. He said to Nicodemus, he said, whatever's born of flesh is flesh. Mm-hmm. Whatever's born of spirit is spirit. Yeah. So any person that's brought into this world by an earthly person, a human being, mm-hmm. they come from a human seed, and ever since Adam and Eve did what they did, the flesh is considered sin. Because once that man sinned, sin come down on all but, all but human beings. Yeah. Until they get released from that through the blood of Christ, and they mm-hmm. get born again. And then they come out of the grip of sin and into the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. So, you know, and you, people don't take that serious enough. I, I'm, I really mean it. They, they, sometimes the terminology gets so, um, I don't know, what did you say, displaced? You know, I mean, when, even when you talk about the born-again experience. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that say they're born again now, um, and there's no fruit behind it. Yeah. You know, and they're just using it as a term instead of really receiving the true experience mm-hmm. of being born again of the Spirit of God. Yeah. And that's really sad because, uh, you know, when you try to take people into the depths of it, mm-hmm. you know, so, well, I heard that before. I heard, it. no, you didn't hear it. You heard of it, but you didn't hear it. If you had heard it, you would have been there doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you needed Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. And uh, this, this, passage that we just read says that God has to turn people to their own reprobate mind, their own godless mind. They've chose that path, mm-hmm. and then God has to give them to it. You know, it's, he says, I, I can't do nothing for you, because he asked in many different passages for you to come to him and surrender your life to him. And, and be unashamed. Oh, yeah. and you know, There's a, lot- a real lack of shame for the people that are so sinful. Oh, right. They don't have any shame nowadays it seems but then the people that are following god somehow end up ashamed you know yeah well just this morning i i asked lynette to look up a verse for me and uh, it was in corinthians mm-hmm. and i said you know well I, I pulled it up and i asked her to read it and it was pertaining to people um, having sex before marriage mm-hmm. you know and god you know, through the Apostle Paul's writings, he absolutely forbids it. Yeah. You know? And look what the world is like that way, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, people don't think nothing of it. They, they've, you know, passed it down generation to generation. And they Do you think know, I think okay. it, the cultural shift has happened slowly enough that people, and if the people, if people are in their own bubble and around people who are like-minded they maybe don't realize it so like if people in church never get around people that are not in church they're never going to realize what's happening right and so i'm i'm in a class right now and you had to provide your like background like your social background like what kind of family do you come from are your parents married that sort of thing 
Do you know out of the 60 people in the class, only me and one other person had parents who were married and are still married? Wow. Wow, that's crazy. So 58 other people, their parents either never married or were married and divorced or were never together at all. Isn't that wild? Yeah. It was shocking. Like it was, I, I was actually very interested in the results of that because I was like, I mean, granted I'm older than a lot of them. Like some of them are born the year that I graduated high school, which is really awful to think about. <laughs> yeah. But still, that's not that big a gap. You know, It's like, it took one generation. Yeah. Like your generation is mostly married. But you started to see an uptick in divorce, probably. Yeah. yeah. But it took like one generation for there to be like no marriage. Like people aren't getting married before they have kids. I think that's wild. And I think people are mostly unaware. If people are only around like-minded people all of the time, they don't recognize what's this cultural shift that's happening outside of the doors of the church. Yeah, it's very frightening. It's scary. Because yeah. people don't actually, they don't even... There are people that are in that class with me that have never experienced a whole family ever in their whole life. What's going to happen is they'll reproduce what they grew exactly. up in. Yeah. You know, that's why, you know, I specify when you go into the book of Ephesians, in the sixth chapter, the Bible says, put on the full armor of God. Mm -hmm. Right? And most people, you know, I recognize this myself. Most people, when they go to that chapter, they only read verse 10 on down. Mm. All right? So when it says, put on the floor, I'm going to God in heaven, salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, yeah. shod your feet with the gospel of peace, you know, and gird your loins with truth. Yeah. Um, usually I point it out real strong to people, gird your loins with truth. Truth mm -hmm. is what? The Bible. Yeah. The Bible. Put that truth around your loins. Where's your reproductive organs? Your loins. Okay? So I tell you that because if you're going to reproduce it, reproduce after truth. You know, you get into the Bible, get the truth in you, and you can reproduce spiritually after that kind. Because the world is full of evil. It's really full of sin. So if you're going to reproduce, reproduce after God. And then make sure that it's a good thing that you see the note. So if you go to the first nine verses of the same chapter, it talks about authority. You know, whether it's in a family or in a, in a workplace, you know, how to respect authority. Mm -hmm. Well, the essence of the message is, you know, in Ephesians 6, if you read the first nine verses, he's talking about respecting authority. Then when he says put on the full armor of God, because then your highest authority is God himself. So the authority of God is what you live under then. Mm -hmm. And then you won't be producing sin. You won't be doing sin. So God lays it out purposely to get people out of that dilemma. But they do need the word of God in them to have that happen. Mm -hmm. So did you find the results through your test there? Or you... Well, that was just about it. I mean, that that was all that I, you know, only two people in the whole class of 60 people had parents who were married and are still married and grew up with married parents. Now you consider that with the chapter that we just read, 
you know, yeah. people stay illiterate of the Bible, mm-hmm. how serious that is. Because unbeknown to them, the true facts are there in the Bible that God has to turn those people over to their reprobate mind, their godless mind, and let the dilemma happen the way it happens, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people want to blame God, but it's not God's fault. He put that Bible out there, which is a book that nobody could ever destroy. They can't get rid of it. But on every hand, the one's available to pick up and read, you know. And, of course, they could always call us. We could help them understand it. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. why we're here. So, well, I trust somebody got something out of this today. We love you all. We're hoping that you all follow us and uh, continue. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to have some really good truth coming up for you. God bless your day.